RC. See you out there, boy. Yeah. C. Yeah. yeah. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Y'all ready? Smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Beware. Smack him in the mouth. Yeah. I gave you fair warning. Smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning. They better get ready. Phil Flames, I went mic on the mic. Yep. What's up, the brand new one time for one your time, mind? He gave time. you fair warning. Now it's time to smack him in the mouth with that raw sports talk from the town. Sweet chin music to your favorite sportscaster. Mike on the mic with sports talk that matters. Reppin' for the West, see the palms in the logo. Mike on the mic, sports pod, let's go. I gave you fair warning, beware. Smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning, beware. Yo, 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 welcome to episode two of the Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast. I am Mike, and I am on the mic of the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today. That's right. It is Shawn Michaels, your host, back at it again here on episode two of the Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast. I just want to say thank you to everyone who supported me in this rebrand and relaunch of the new show and has supported me throughout basically my entire time sports podcasting it's only been a few short months but i've had such a great time doing it it is great to hear the feedback especially from everyone especially checking out episode one checking out the new intro checking out the new format of the show there's a lot of similarities to come on man sports there's a lot of differences from come on man sports so just buckle up and enjoy the ride because i have so much more planned and we're only going up from here anyways i have three great topics to cover today as i will every week and, and you know i'll bring that sports heat no matter what but the three topics are this week uh i'm gonna go over some of the offseason moves in the nfl that will pay off slash won't pay off so i'm just gonna talk about the, the offseason move the effect it's gonna have on the teams involved and whether it will pay off for the team that made the move or will it not pay off for the team that moved uh the rock bought the xfl the xfl is now owned partially by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm going to go over three additions that I would want to see added to the already in place XFL format to really take them to the moon because The Rock has made a really good investment and this league has so much potential if we can get over this COVID thing. We'll see how that goes. And then finally, I'm going to go over the NBA playoffs round one preview. We got a few more games left in the regular season bubble games, but. Uh, the the picture is starting to show. We're starting to see uh, who's gonna see who's gonna see who in the playoffs and who is going to be, you know, at an advantage based off of seeding. So I'm gonna go over some storylines that we have to look forward to going into round one of the playoffs. And of course, as I'm gonna do every week, I'm gonna do a full fantasy breakdown of one player chosen by you on the Instagram page poll that we put up earlier in the week. And the player chosen this week was, I swear to you, I had no involvement in this. Keenan Allen. So we're going to break down Keenan Allen. Full fantasy breakdown. Let you know whether you should draft or pass. So yeah, that's the show we have planned for today. Sit back, get some snacks, enjoy the ride. And man, just thanks for listening. That's all I really got to say. Let's get straight into it. Topic one. Forgive me for bringing this up, uh, uh, but I don't know what the hell is going on in Houston. I don't know what pictures Bill O'Brien has 
on ownership there. So something's up. Because I don't understand <laughs> yeah. how this man is in a position to make his decisions. Dude. To trade DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in football, number two in yards, receptions, TDs, to trade this dude and don't even get a first-round pick, it's yeah. damn near a fireable offense. There were some huge offseason moves this year. One of the craziest offseasons, I think, in NFL history. Definitely one of the craziest offseasons I've ever seen uh, happen in the NFL this season. So I'm just going to go over a few of the moves, a few of the big offseason moves that you saw you know, in, in the news. Trades, signings, re-signings, uh, free agency pickups, and all in between, basically. I'm just going to go over each offseason move and basically place a label on it. Will it pay off or will it not pay off for the team that made the move? So let's just get straight into it with probably the biggest offseason move in recent memory. We're talking about Tom Brady at Tampa Bay. You know, even though, you know, Patty and the Chiefs are in the AFC West, Tom Brady passed on possibly going to a team with a very easy schedule, very soft uh, uh, opponents in the 2020 season in the Chargers, right? He, he had a chance to go to the Chargers. He had a chance to go to Tampa Bay. I think he had a chance to go to Oakland. But the Chargers, I thought he was going to the, I thought he was going to Los Angeles, to be honest with you. I thought he was coming to Los Angeles, and we were going to see Tom Brady uh, in Hollywood balling out on the, on the Los Angeles Chargers. But he chose to go to Tampa Bay, and that's a little bit tough of a schedule for them. So I, it's tough saying whether it will pay off right now without any games being played so far. So he's going to be going head-to-head -head with some of the superpowers that you see in the NFC. And in order for this to pay off, they need to at least compete in a Super Bowl while Tom Brady is wearing a Buccaneers uniform. So if I'm really making a judgment, I think in 2022, I don't think in 2021, I think the competition is too high. I think Drew Brees is going to retire after this year no matter what happens. I think that uh, you know Seattle is, is growing. They're growing their squad, so they might be very good for a long time to come. But overall, I think the NFC will calm down after just one more year, and we kind of just see where everyone's at. And Tampa Bay can definitely uh, take that next step into the Super Bowl contention in 2022. So I'm going to say that it will pay off because I think that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the next three years, probably his last three years playing football, will make a Super Bowl. I know it's a bold prediction, but I think they will make a Super Bowl. I do not know if they will win a Super Bowl. It depends on who's coming out of the AFC that year. You know, if it's still the Chiefs and Ravens, that's a real tough uh, win for an older roster and an older guy like Tom Brady with, with a lot of veterans around him to overcome the youth and the speed of those teams. So we'll see what happens. But I think in the next three years, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely have a very good chance at at least seeing a Super Bowl, which will mean that this deal will pay off because that, that's really the determiner for me. If Tampa Bay can get to the Super Bowl, that means that this deal did pay off just to get him a chance to dance for the first time in a very, very long time. The next deal I'm going to talk about, Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills. Look, this one's a little bit more tough. Uh, Super Bowl is not really the make or break of this deal, in my opinion, but I definitely think playoffs this season is definitely a make or break. Um, if I was a bet man, I'd probably bet that the Bills end up in AFC East champs at the end of the year, honestly. Uh, all the drama in the division, the Dolphins are still building, the Jets are just falling apart in New York, um, the Patriots, half the team has opted out. I'm about to go over that. And half the team left in free agency. So the, it's wide open. The Bills are the only team with any stability in that division. So it's wide open. I think the Bills can definitely win that division. So I'm going to say that the Diggs trade, if not this year, uh, will pay off. 
in the long run because I think he's going to have a couple more thousand-yard seasons in him with Buffalo, and I believe Buffalo is going to win the AFC East this year with ease, honestly. So we'll see what happens. But I, I really think that the Dolphins are more of a threat than the Patriots going into the 2020 season. The next deal, our next move, Cam Newton to the Patriots. Staying in the East, I am guilty. Just like the rest of you, as soon as Cam Newton was signed, I jumped on and freaked out preaching. I was wrong about the Patriots taking for Lawrence. I was wrong about Bill Belichick. I was wrong about all of that. But now the dust has settled. Things are more, much more clear to me. Cam is walking into a three-win team right now. He's going to be locked in three, four, five-win purgatory if he stays in this team for the years to come. Half the team left in the offseason. All right, that was already why I had them dropping to like six wins or five wins this next year. And now the other half of the team, minus Cam Newton, has opted out. All that's left is Cam Newton and a beat down Julian Edelman. I, he took a beating last year, and I feel real bad for him because this year's going to be tough to get through, in my opinion. Being the only receiver on a team with a quarterback like Cam Newton who's going to air it out a lot. So Edelman's got to carry a lot of a, lo a lot of the load. And at his age and, and at his point in his career, I don't think it's best for him to be taking all these hits. So I'm a little scared for Edelman. But yeah, a beat down Julian Edelman and Cam Newton and a draft pick hungry Bill Belichick. That's, I think we're back to plan A. That, that's back to my original theory is that the Patriots, Bill Belichick, have this plan. They're going to get themselves another 20-year quarterback in the draft next year. So I think that Bill Belichick has a plan. Don't get me wrong. I think he has a plan. But I don't think his plan is, is success in this one season coming up. It's success in the long term. For many seasons coming after that, if even even if he retires, he's going to set up the Patriots with a franchise quarterback. Um, not even Superman can pull this lackluster roster, in my opinion, to the playoffs, even with the extra playoff. So, you know, you notice I didn't even mention Stidham because if they play Stidham, then it's even worse for him. I, I, I really don't think Stidham's that good. I watched his film. I broke it down, and he's... he's He's a backup quarterback, man. He's, he's a backup quarterback in the NFL, maybe even a third-string quarterback in the NFL. So it, he wasn't even crazy good in college. He didn't put up big numbers in college. He wasn't a first- or second-round pick that's just been waiting for his chance. He's just a guy they added as a backup in case Brady went down. And even if he went down, they might have signed someone else and brought them in midseason rather than going to Stidham. So I think the camp starts, but if Stidham starts, they're even worse. So I'm going to say that this deal will not pay off for the New England Patriots. I think it's good for Cam. One year, he can go out there and show he can still play football. Hopefully, he stays healthy, and then he can get back into free agency and hopefully get on a team next year. Maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars or Chicago Bears or whoever's looking for a quarterback next year. And that'll also work out for the Patriots if they can get Cam Newton signed next year because that's one less team that'll be looking to draft a quarterback in the 2021 draft. The next deal I'm going to go over, DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. In the immediate future, the Cardinals could use a few more pieces, right, if we're, if we're looking at it. Um, they could establish Kenyon Drake as the guy. That would be a big move for them. He had a great breakout year last year, but I'm still not 100% confident that he is going to be a consistent guy. A lot of running backs break out for one year, and then they struggle for the years after. They could maybe add one or two more offensive linemen. I mean, every team in the NFL could always add one or two offensive linemen. But if the Cardinals want to build uh, something special there in Arizona. Definitely need a solid O-line to protect Kyler Murray so he can get the ball down the field to DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. What a great offense they're probably going to have in the coming years. But despite that, despite needing a few more pieces, I think they're building something special in Arizona. I, I really do. Uh, the D-Hop move gives Kyler 
the perfect sure-handed target, especially when you're a guy like Kyler Murray who just scrambles around a lot, right? He scrambles around a lot and finds plays. And guys like Russell Wilson, like him, they really love having receivers like DK Metcalf or DeAndre Hopkins because in that situation where you, you get out the pocket, you give your guy time to get open, you can get the ball to him way down the field and feel confident they're going to come down with it. And so I like the move. I think that the Cardinals could add one more speedy receiver once Larry Fitzgerald retires. I don't think Larry Fitzgerald has the speed that they're looking for, but he's just been there forever, so they're going to go with him next year. He's going to get. He's still going to. I still think he gets 750, 800 yards. I don't think he's just out of the picture because of D Hop, but I do think that they could add one more speedy receiver to pair with Kirk and D Hop for the long run. Maybe they'll get him in the draft. But yeah, if they can build, they can get these building pieces. I think Isaiah Simmons was a very good pick, and I think that shows that the Cardinals are committed to building something special. Instead of getting a lineman there, they they realize they can get linemen later on in the draft, and they can get linemen in free agency. They went ahead and drafted a stud of a linebacker who could play safety or corner or anywhere on the field. So he is a do-it-all kind of guy. So I think they're building something special in the desert. I'm going to say this deal will pay off in the long run for the Cardinals. I think uh, once San Francisco and Seattle, they had their little war over the next couple of years, on the on the end of that, the Cardinals can take over that division possibly in two to three years. So it, it could be a good time to watch the NFC West for years to come because the Rams are, you know, I'm very low on the Rams this year, but they still have a franchise quarterback. You know, people don't like Jared Goff. I'm just whatever about him. I think he's Kirk Cousins reincarnated a little bit. I think he's just going to be, you know, a slightly above average quarterback for his entire career. He's going to be in the Ram, in the Rams system for a long time since he signed that deal. And Sean McVay is a good coach. So even though I'm really low on this year, the Rams are going to get back relevance uh, in the near future. So, you know, that NFC West is going to be up for grabs over the next couple years. Anyways, moving on to the next deal. Also staying in the NFC West, Jamal Adams traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Look, the Seattle Seahawks have put it down on the table. It is Super Bowl or bust for them this year. And they're my Super Bowl pick before the Adams trade. I'm very high on the Seahawks. I think they're going to have a really good season. They gave up a lot. They gave up a lot for Jamal Adams. Um, they gave up a hefty two first-round picks and a really good safety for Jamal Adams. If Russell can get one more ring out of this, it'll pay off, man. It, it'll be a payoff. Uh, you know how high I am on the Seahawks. So I'm going to say that it will pay off. If the Seahawks don't win the Super Bowl this year, I think they will win the Super Bowl with Jamal Adams on the roster. I think Jamal Adams will be a big part of that Super Bowl win. So I'm going to go with will pay off in the long run, maybe even in the short run for the Seattle Seahawks. We'll see if they can get Clowney back out there, and we'll see if they can get Jamal Adams a long-term deal. Then it really will pay off if they got Jamal Adams for most of his prime going forward. The next move that I'm going to talk about, uh, Jordan Love to the Packers. Okay, I've ranted about this so many times. I know you guys are, are have heard me talk about it before. I don't know what Jordan Love is going to become in three, four, five, six seasons, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know if he's the next Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he's the next Brett Favre. I don't know if he's the next whatever great quarterback there's been in Green Bay. There's been a bunch of them. I do know that he was the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this draft class. I do know he had major turnover problems in his last couple years in college. So looking at it, you know, I'm not very high on the Jordan Love pick right now, especially with what they were doing, right? They, they were in the NFC Championship game last year. One game away from playing for the Lombardi Trophy, bringing it home to Green Bay. One game away. And instead of helping Aaron Rodgers out, maybe by improving the defense 
or getting him a receiver, getting him an offensive lineman. They draft a backup quarterback, the, the, the apparent heir to the Green Bay quarterback throne. And just looking at it, every team in the NFC got better. Look at what the Saints did. They added Emmanuel Sanders. They added some pieces on defense. Look at the Eagles. They added Darius Slay. They added some pieces on offense. They added some receivers. Man, look at the Vikings. The Vikings didn't get much better, but you know everyone that was young last year that was struggling is going to be better this year. And if you look at it, the, the Stephon Diggs debacle is finally over for them, and they drafted Justin Jefferson, got a steal in my opinion, Justin Jefferson, to fill in Diggs' spot. So you're not going to lose very much production there. Uh, just, just looking at all the teams around them, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously. Like, there's so many contenders in the NFC. The Seattle Seahawks, I just talked about them, that the Packers needed to get better this offseason. To maintain where they were at, to maintain NFC Championship game appearances, they needed to get better, and they did not get better. So they basically traded having another quarterback for after Aaron Rodgers for Super Bowl chances in the future. I don't care. I would rather have a Super Bowl right now, a Super Bowl chances right now, next year and the year after, than have another 20 years of trying to build a guy and trying to win the Super Bowl after Aaron Rodgers left. Take advantage of it while you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and get that man another ring, man. <laughs> Aaron, if you want to come to Los Angeles, we will welcome you with open arms, and I mean the Chargers, not the Rams. I'm going to say this deal or this draft pick does not pay off in the long run because we're always going to look back and say, man, if Aaron Rodgers had more weapons, he might have won three or four Super Bowls in his career. But thanks to the Packers' poor decisions and lack of bringing in weapons for him for year after year after year after year Aaron Rodgers is probably going to finish his career with only one Super Bowl win which is just an absolute travesty in my opinion the final move I'm going to talk about is the Patrick Mahomes 10-year deal uh, I've talked about this a lot with my friends but I have not come and gotten on a mic and really talked about it too much I think I've talked about it on other podcasts the initial shot got me also you know just seeing that big number and 10 years next to it, it <laughs> It was a little scary, especially being a Chargers fan. Despite seeing that number, though, Logic hit me very shortly after, and it's unfortunate that Logic hit me because I wish I could just sit here and say, oh, well, the, the Chiefs, they just wasted all their money on their quarterback. They won't be able to sign no one. They're going to suck in two seasons. That's, that's what I wish I could get on here and say, but just think about it for a second. Everyone calm down. The Chiefs are starting a dynasty with this move. That's, that's, that's their move here. They are starting a dynasty. Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes are going to lead this team to many more Super Bowls to come. This is the thing. Patrick Mahomes looks like possibly the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. It, just in the short sample, I see the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL. Let's face it, right? We've never seen a guy that can move around the way he moves around, can stand in the pocket the way he stands in the pocket, can launch a field 75 yards down the field, and also has the, the brains and the IQ to be, you know, one of the greatest ever. So he really is just a special, special, special talent that they found there. And it's very unfortunate for me because I just dealt with Peyton Manning for a couple of years and the Broncos dominating. And it's like they handed the baton off to Patrick Mahomes, man. It's, it hurts being a Chargers fan, just constantly being pushed down. This, this must be what it feels like to be a Miami Dolphins or Jets or, or any of those uh, AFC East teams, Buffalo Bills. For all those years that Tom Brady and the Patriots were dominating. So, you know, looking looking at it long term, Tyreek Hill might take too much cap. He might get let go. They will be fine, though. And, you know, as much as, as myself, Broncos and Raiders fans want to uh, uh, look at the bright side and, and hope that losing Tyreek Hill will bring the Chiefs down a notch, Patrick Holmes is so good that he doesn't need Tyreek Hill. They can just draft the fastest receiver at the draft 
hold on to him through his rookie contract, and then just do it again. And Patrick Mahomes will make whoever that guy is look like Tyreek Hill every time they come out of, of the draft. He's that good, man. He can do it with McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins. They do not just – they don't need Tyreek Hill. They don't need these big-name receivers where you got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. You know, the Chiefs are going to be Super Bowl contenders for 10 years as long as three things happen. One, Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Two, the defense is at least top 15 because I've always preached and I always will say in order to win championships, you need your defense to be top 15. And it's pretty much true all the time. No matter how many points you score, your defense needs to make some stops in a game. And usually towards the end of the game, at least one or two stops, your offense can either get the ball back and go down to win the game or the offense can maintain the lead. But if they can stay top 15, which I believe they were top 10 last year, uh, right, right around 10, then I think the Chiefs will be Super Bowl contenders for the next 10 years. Um, and then the third thing is uh, Andy Reid, uh, as long as he's still there coaching. That combination, those three things, Patrick Mahomes healthy, top 15 defense, Andy Reid coaching, the Chiefs will be Super Bowl contenders and will probably be playing in almost every AFC title game for the next 10 years. So with that being said, this deal is obviously going to be a payoff for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they at least win one more Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes in these next 10 years, possibly two or three, and I think they will definitely appear in, in three or four, maybe five Super Bowls in this 10-year deal. Let's just see how many they can actually pull off a win. So that's the deals I kind of covered. If there's any that I missed that you want to hear me cover, maybe uh, hit me up on Instagram. At Mike on the Mike Pod. Yeah, a little, little plug there. Go check us out on Instagram. You can DM me your reaction to the show and reaction to what I say on the show any time of the day or night, and I will respond as soon as I see it. So go ahead and go over there and follow us on Instagram right now. All right. Back to the show. We're going to move on to the next topic, which I'm going to have a lot of fun talking about because one of my favorite people just did one of the favorite things I've ever seen happen in sports. Finally. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Did you think that the XFL was actually dead? Did you think that the XFL would never be heard of again? Did you think that all those players and coaches just were out of jobs? Did you think that one of the most entertaining renditions of the sport of football was gone forever? Is that what you thought? Is that what you think? It doesn't matter what you think because The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, that is right, has bought the XFL. Well, he is one of the members of the ownership that invested and bought the XFL Whew, I am so excited, man. I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson fan, man. <laughs> there was a time where I was saying that the Rock should run for president. That's how much of a fan I am of Dwayne Johnson. He's a big part of my childhood. So it's so awesome to see that he saved uh, the XFL, man. See, a fun story about the XFL. When the XFL came to be, I was stationed overseas. So I really didn't get to experience the XFL that much. I watched highlights. I watched some games that were on. But I didn't get to experience the XFL, but I was so excited to come home and go to Los Angeles Wildcat games and root for my guys on the field. And I, I think we had Josh Johnson, so it was going to be real fun because I at least knew some of the players that were on the team. And, and a lot of guys that, that I saw in the NFL that I was like, man, they just didn't get a fair shake were playing in the XFL and doing very good. Uh, you know, guys like Trent Richardson, guys like Kenneth Farrell, uh, guys like uh, P.J. Walker. These guys all played very good. They were stars. 
in the XFL, and they're really building something. The XFL is doing something great for these guys' football careers. I'm so excited that it is not dead. I thought it was dead. I thought I had missed out on the opportunity. The Rock has saved the XFL with The Rock and a few other owners. But I'm going to keep saying The Rock because he is The Rock, right? And this is the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today, and The Rock has bought the XFL. So I'm just going to talk about three additions that I would like to see to the XFL format. I know The Rock probably doesn't listen to my podcast, but you guys should just share, share, share this podcast and keep sharing it until The Rock sees it. Tag him in your posts. Tag him when you send it to friends. Tell friends to, to spam him because I want The Rock to hear these three additions that he should add to the XFL. I'm going to start off at three and I'm going to count down to one. Number three, let's add more teams and let's pay some bigger names. Look, I want to see 10 to 12 teams. I'm about to go over... Uh, uh, the expansion of the XFL in the next uh, thing that I want to see added to the XFL. But let's get closer to 16 teams every season, and let's get closer to 30 teams every season. Let's build an actual league, right? Let's build an actual league, settle, and have a, a long-term plan for the teams in the XFL. But with this initial uh, restart, I'd like to see at least 10, maybe 12 teams versus the eight teams that we saw before. And then over time, you can expand a little bit more. There is a lot of cities that could use teams. And then, as far as paying big-name players, you know, they, they are obvious, right? Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, Terrell Owens, all these guys that still want to play uh, are worth the investment, especially for the XFL who are trying to establish themselves as, a, as an exciting, fun alternative to the NFL. These guys will draw millions and millions of more eyes to the XFL, especially with them posting pictures on their social medias of them in XFL uniforms. It's going to be so awesome if they can get some of these big ticket names. And, you know, the biggest ticket, the biggest fish in the sea will be getting Colin Kaepernick into the XFL. I know it's going to cost them a hefty price. Colin Kaepernick is demanding a hefty price. More, you know, now because of, you know, what comes with him, he brings a lot of attention to your league yeah, for, for, you know, mostly good reasons. But, you know, it's more than just his play on the field. He's a he's a star. He, he's a celebrity. And he would bring that to the XFL with no doubt in my mind. It will be worth their investment, whatever they got to pay him. Uh, whether he becomes the face of the XFL or it's just his launch back into the NFL, it's a win-win for both parties. Vince couldn't really get these guys in the XFL, but I think Rocky might be able to convince them that if they help the XFL blow up, they will be compensated once the XFL does blow up and they can afford to uh, go ahead and pay these big contracts that it's going to cost them to get these guys to stay in their league. You know, maybe they can make a deal that fluctuates with revenue, kind of like WWE contracts. So that, that would be pretty cool if they could have a deal that, okay, the XFL's revenue has gone up, so we can afford to pay you more. And, and, you know, and it's thanks to you, whoever it is, Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, all these guys that still want to play but just aren't quite – you know, get on the NFL rosters for whatever reasons. Colin Kaepernick, this is a great opportunity, and the XFL needs to go out and get these guys. They just, they just got to do it, right? It, it's time. Uh, you know, last time we gave them the pass. It was the first season. Now let's go get these guys, and let's make this league super legitimate and super fun to watch and bring a lot of eyes to the XFL. Another big one that would possibly make the XFL blow up and get more eyes and more, more viewers onto the XFL, go global, right? For as long as I can remember, the NFL has been pushing global football domination, but they just haven't been able to quite pull that trigger yet. So, you know, there's there's a lot of potential for football in the entire world. You know, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware. I played overseas. I played in Japan, and football is alive and well over there, man. They, they adore 
the sport of football, and, and it's adored by millions around the world. It's not just in America. And the XFL probably can't have a Tokyo team. That's asking for a bit much. But, you know, for an 8- to 10-week season and the technology that we have, and the technology is always evolving, it's very likely that, that travel is going to be a lot easier in the very near future. So who says having a U.K. team or, or a team in Canada, Toronto, Vancouver, and a Mexico team isn't possible? You know what I mean? Like, have a team in Mexico. That'd be fun. Uh, Mexico City, maybe? That'd be really cool. I think in a post-COVID world, you know, the global superstar that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, he could spring the XFL into the homes of people around the world. And that, that would cause this league to blow up, especially if he can get out to, to become global before the NFL gets the chance. The number one thing that I think that I would like to see the XFL add to their format Let's just go ahead and do it. Let's just establish ourselves, establish the XFL as a minor league to the NFL. This seems to have been the flaw uh, last season of the XFL. The first season of the XFL, they didn't even get really to finish. They tried to establish themselves as a competitor to the NFL. They will not beat the NFL out. There's no way. The league is just way too big. They've dominated the football world for way too long. Dwayne and his investors should seriously take a look at The Rock's old home the WWE and what they've done with NXT. Think about it. NXT was created as a WWE's version of a minor league, right? And now it has blown up into one of the most entertaining parts of the WWE brand, NXT, right? Every time NXT TakeOver is coming around, which it is actually very soon, <laughs> I think Pat McAfee is going to be on it. Yeah, that's a whole other story. It's real funny. Anytime NXT TakeOver is around, you, you almost get more buzz for NXT TakeOver than what's going on in the actual NXT. And this is something that the, the XFL could kind of become, right? Uh, give these guys a chance to burst into the NFL. Let's go ahead and give these guys a chance to become you know, superstars of their own league and then move on to the NFL. And that's something that the XFL could become. And it could become very, very, very entertaining. You know, you get young guys who, you know, they're on their absolute last chance to try and get into the NFL, try and get into the league, if you will. And you will see it. Fireworks. You know, that you'll see fireworks explode. These guys are going to be playing so hard. And it's going to be very entertaining. And they're going to be showing their characters. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, every league has its own minor league except for the NFL. So, you know, instead of football players have to, you know, go to college and then right out of college, go straight to the NFL. This will give those guys a chance to, to possibly play for another year before they go to the NFL. Not everyone comes out of college and is ready to be an NFL superstar. And then there's a lot of guys that go undrafted that are ready to be NFL superstars, but they don't get the attention that they deserve. And the XFL could be that launch pad for them. And also, you know, it opens so many more doorways for kids trying to get to the NFL more than just go to college, play for three years, get drafted. You know what I mean? So there's a lot more options. A player could go play in the XFL instead of college if they believe they're going to be ready before three years to make that big payday in the NFL. You know, And, and players from smaller schools like D2 and D3 schools have a higher chance of breaking out because of, if they don't develop and get it done in college, which is very hard to do, it's hard to get drafted out of a D2 school. You know what I mean? you got to be head and shoulders uh, amongst all the athletes in the entire country, not just your conference or just your state, the entire country. So, you know, these guys are coming out of D2 schools, but they have a lot of talent. They just need a couple more years to become NFL athletes. They'll have that time in the XFL. Establish yourself as a minor league and be that for the NFL. You maybe even make a deal with the NFL and, you know, make a deal that, that you guys are the minor league, and then you'll get some funding from the NFL, and it'll explode even more. Um, and then all it takes for the XFL to really just completely blow up is to find one diamond in the rough, 
lock him down for a, a long-term deal and have him be the superstar of your league and the face of your league. That's what they didn't have last year also. They weren't able to establish a face of the league. The teams were going back and forth, so you weren't able to establish who the better teams were in the league. It wasn't like the NFL is. So I think that they need to establish themselves as an NFL minor league. It'll it'll be so much better. And, you know, instead of the XFL kind of being like a trial or a joke to some people, the XFL will be a legitimate league, kind of like a – uh, a G League for basketball or the minor leagues for baseball that feeds into the NFL and guys that aren't ready to go straight to the NFL and get their big payday or guys that don't get drafted to get their big payday can decide to go to the XFL and possibly enter drafts later on in their career. So we'll see what happens um, and we'll see how the XFL does with the rock at the helm. I'll tell you what, I'm excited for it and it's going to be electrifying. It's going to be fun to watch and we'll see what changes they bring. Again, share this and try and get this to the rock. Maybe he'll add some of my additions. Let me know what you think of my uh, additions on the Instagram or Facebook or any of the pages that I have said a million times. Anyways, on to the next topic, the full fantasy breakdown of Keenan Allen. Here we go. The second full fantasy breakdown on the Mike and the Mike Sports podcast. Again, I'm explaining the concept. Every week on my Instagram page, I will be putting up a poll allowing the listeners and the followers of the Instagram page to basically choose who they want to hear a full fantasy breakdown done by myself and uh, fantasy docs, Dr. Notwa, an actual sports medicine physician. But yeah, so basically I'm just going to go through. I'm going to break down a player every week. This week, it was between Drew Locke and Keenan Allen. Um, I had a couple other players in the poll. They tied, so I had a one-hour speed a tiebreaker round, and Keenan Allen came out on top. Hey, what a coincidence. I'm a Chargers fan, so I have a lot of insight uh, to Keenan Allen. I've watched him his whole career through the injuries, through everything, and seen where he has gotten to today. So without further ado, let's get straight into the full fantasy breakdown of Keenan Allen. So what I like to do to start these things off is I look at the 2019 stats, kind of look at what they did last year and in the years before that. Uh, and things that are of note. So, Keenan Allen's 2019 stats, he had 104 receptions, 1,199 yards, so 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns receiving. The touchdowns is a little low, so you, know, you can note that and mark that down right now. That's his third straight 97-plus reception, so third straight 100 reception season, um, and third straight 1,200-yard-plus season in a row. Uh, so, that's all good. Keenan Allen's had three straight healthy good years and I don't see it stopping anytime soon well I don't see him slowing down anytime soon I don't know as far as the numbers if he's gonna be able to maintain that 100 receptions 1200 yards 6 to 10 touchdowns every season seeing what's happened but we're gonna get into that later uh last year it, you gotta pay attention you gotta pay attention to what your league format is because in PPR you know his 104 receptions Keenan Allen finishes the sixth wide receiver that is very impressive to think that people probably got him in the second and third rounds, fourth, fifth rounds, and he was a top 10 receiver, uh, borderline top five receiver in PPR. But in standard leagues, he was the 18th best receiver you know, because of low touchdowns. So you just got to pay attention to what your league is. That changes the value of a player like Keenan Allen tremendously. And that's, that's something that you need to pay attention when you're drafting your leagues, especially if you're new 
to fantasy football. Find out, is it a PPR league, which means points per reception? So every reception, he gets a point. That's why 104 receptions. That's why he had so many more points in PPR leagues than he would in a standard league where you don't get a point per reception and touchdowns and yards are a lot more valuable. So just pay attention to that. You know, if you can get Keenan Allen in a PPR league, you may have yourself a top 10 wide receiver. Let's look at the 2020 outlook. Uh, His ADP is the fifth round, second pick. You know, that's an average of a bunch of different places that have said that. I feel pretty comfortable saying that he's a fifth round uh, pick. So I'm going to say that Keenan Allen is going in the fifth round, basically. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's he's in the top uh, five rounds. That usually is part of the core of your fantasy football team, but kind of towards the end of the core, you could probably get him as a wide receiver, too. At that point, if you have, you know, three running backs and one wide receiver going into round five, especially early round five, uh, you probably drafted a running back on those first couple picks of the draft. He's wide receiver in between 20 and 25. I've seen a lot of a lot of different uh, numbers. I've seen it all as far as 28 and 26. But, you know, safe bet is in between 20 and 25 is what the experts I'm putting quotes. The experts say Keenan Allen is going to be the wide receiver 20 to 25. That's very low. That's borderline wide receiver three, borderline not even a starter on a fantasy lineup. So interesting, and I, I'm going to get into why people probably believe that, that he's going to be in between wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 25 as we keep going into the full fantasy breakdown. But so far, you know, looking at what he's done the last couple of years, looking at where he's going, I like uh, the pick so far, just, just, just looking at it all that, that we've seen so far. Now let's just look into uh, who has left the Chargers on offense that's going to impact him and who they gained that will impact his play and impact his numbers in the 2020 NFL season. Chargers had a real busy offseason, a super busy offseason with some big departures and some big additions. Let's start off with the departures. Quarterback Phillip Rivers. That obviously is going to have a huge impact on Keenan Allen. This team was an aired out first offense with a, a nice punch with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Losing Phillip Rivers, uh, you lose a lot of pass attempts that the team probably would have originally had that they will not have no more with Tyrod Taylor at the helm or Justin Herbert as a rookie in the NFL. So that does impact Keenan Allen negatively, in my opinion, a lot. Seeing Phillip Rivers, uh, <laughs> Keenan Allen's been Phillip Rivers' favorite target for like the past five seasons. So that does impact Keenan Allen a lot, and I want you to keep that in mind when you're thinking about drafting Keenan Allen as your potential wide receiver one late in, later in the draft. They lost running back Melvin Gordon, and that does hurt them because I don't think Austin Eckler is a guy that can get in between the tackles and be what Melvin Gordon was for the for Los Angeles Chargers offense. You know, you're going to see a lot less stacked boxes uh, against Austin Eckler than you will see against Melvin Gordon, so that may incline the Chargers to either run the ball more or the pass game to be less effective when, you, when you're looking at it on the other side of the field. Guys are going to come out thinking we're going to pass with Austin Eckler in the game because Austin Eckler is a receiving back just as much as he is as a running back. And I think he's actually better outside the tackles than he is inside the tackles. So that does it, that also negatively affects all the wide receivers on the Chargers and, and everyone involved in the passing game as far as fantasy football goes. They also lost fullback Derek Watt. Again, Derek Watt's one of the better fullbacks in the NFL, and losing him shows that the Chargers will not have as strong a running game with Melvin Gordon and Derek Watt. Uh, they've been kind of the core of the rushing attack for the last couple of years. So to see both of them go in the same same offseason, that hurts uh, the entire Chargers offense, in my opinion. It's going to be a lot less balanced, and it's going to be a lot less. Uh, they're not going to strike fear into the hearts on the ground 
like they have in previous years. You're going to see them do a lot more draws, a lot more read options, a lot more uh, tricky run plays to try and trick the defense with Austin Eckler and Tyrod Taylor in the backfield. They lost wide receiver Travis Benjamin. Uh, not too much of an impact because Travis has been injured the last couple years. But Travis Benjamin, Travis Benjamin has always been a guy that just helps open up the field for the rest of the receivers, especially receivers like Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen thrives on having a lot of room. And Keenan Allen blows the top off the defense, brings those safeties down to the end zone while Keenan Allen's running those nice, beautiful, you know, perfect routes that he runs underneath. So not having Travis Benjamin to open up that field, even though I think that they, they added some guys that can do that to replace Travis Benjamin. That can hurt him a little bit. We'll see how, how that plays out as far as the receiver to replace Travis Benjamin is kind of that speed demon on the offense. And we lost Michael Schofield to the Panthers and Russell Kung to the Panthers. Both guys, very disappointing uh, career so far, in my opinion. We drafted him high, trying to find offensive linemen to protect Rivers, and that's always been the Chargers' problem. So I don't think that they have too much of an impact. I think actually losing them and picking up the guys that we picked up, uh, we actually improved on the offensive line. So I'm going to say that's low impact towards Keenan Allen's stats because of who we brought in to replace. Speaking of who the Chargers brought in to replace, I keep saying we. It is my team. So if I say we, I'm sorry. But speaking of the, who the Chargers brought in to replace some of the, the departures, they addressed the O-line problem. Both Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner, a tackle and a guard, both Pro Bowl guys, and I think they're both big improvements to Showfield and Okung. I think that they will be uh, making our O-line steady for the first time in a long time. Mike Pouncey's coming back. He's going to be at center. And then i uh, probably going to have Trey Pipkins and someone else on the other side of the ball. So we'll see how it goes. But definitely improvement by picking up Bulaga and Turner versus Showfield and Okung. So I think that helps Keenan Allen's stats. Tyrod Taylor can have a little bit more time in the pocket. And overall, the offense is just going to run smoother. Good offensive line, whether it's passing, running the ball, uh, usually leads to the offense running a lot smoother. The big one on the offense is Justin Herbert. We added Justin Herbert. Um, I don't know if Justin Herbert is going to play this year or how much he's going to play this year. But looking into the future, uh, when Justin Herbert does get in, I think Mike Williams benefits a little bit more from the Justin Herbert signing because just, Justin Herbert's more of a guy that's going to push the ball down the field. Keenan Allen's more of a possession receiver. He's going to get you, you know, uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10-yard 10 receptions and maybe a touchdown. And Mike Williams is more of like a two receptions, but, you know, each reception was 40 yards kind of guy. So I think that Justin Herbert, you know, helps Mike Williams value a little bit more. It doesn't really hurt Keenan Allen. I think it just keeps Keenan Allen where he's at. Keenan Allen is a perfect receiver for a rookie quarterback. So, you know, in most situations – Having that receiver that's going to be able to get open on third and, and, and three or be able to get open uh, in open space. You, you see a one-on-one matchup, you can bet on your guy to get open. It makes the, the thought process for the quarterback that much easier. So I think the Keenan Allen's value isn't really that much impacted by Justin Ter uh, Herbert versus Tyrod Taylor. I think he'll have similar numbers uh, based on whoever starts. Uh, and then they added three other rookies to the offense. They added Joshua Kelly. He's kind of the Melvin Gordon replacement. Not really at the same level that Melvin Gordon is, but he's a ground-and-pound kind of guy. He's going to be able to get in between the tackles with Justin Jackson and uh, make the offense a little bit more of a threat in between the tackles. And Austin Eckler can do his thing outside the tackles and on draws and sweet plays. Uh, and then we added two receivers, K.J. Hill and Joe Reed. That's interesting because uh, K.J. Hill is out of Ohio State and Joe Reed came out of West Virginia, I believe, or, or maybe it just might have been just Virginia, but... Joe Reed is more of a big guy. He's more like Mike Williams. He's more towards Mike Williams. And then uh, KJ Hill is more of a small, speedy slot guy. So it really depends on where they have Keenan Allen, I think, is what's going to determine uh, what each of these guys' role is going to be in the offense. If Keenan Allen is still lining up majority outside like he has the last couple of years, 
then I think KJ Hill can be that slot guy. He's a speed demon. He runs a 4-3 or 4-4. So I think that he can be the guy that Travis Benjamin was and open up that defense and, and really strike fear into those safety's hearts. Um, so I think if, if Keenan Allen is going to be outside, KJ Hill is a really good slot option, at least to open it up for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler to go to work uh, at just pressing the safeties down the field. Joe Reed is more of a big body, kind of like a, a Mike Williams. You might see him come in on heavy sets. You might see him come in on goal line sets. We'll see which guy gets the nudge. If Keenan Allen's moving back to the slot, I think that's good for Keenan, good for Tyrod. Then Joe Reed will probably be the guy because he's more of an outside receiver than KJ Hill is. So yeah, I see additions. I don't think it's a wash. I think that uh, the departures hurt him fantasy-wise more than helped him. That's for sure. Uh, the additions of adding a rookie quarterback versus Phillip Rivers obviously hurts a wide receiver's value in fantasy. But if we're, if we're looking at Tyrod Taylor and if he's going to be the guy for Keenan Allen and for this offense, Tyrod Taylor to Sammy Watkins that last year, they were kind of both good in Buffalo. Uh, Tyrod Taylor in 13 games got Sammy Watkins 1,047 yards and nine touchdowns, which is a lot. So it's possible that we could see Tyrod fall in love with Keenan as his number one tar target. But look at I just feel like Mike Williams is more like Sammy Watkins. He's more of what Tyrod likes to throw to. So we'll see who emerges as Tyrod's favorite target out of that Chargers receiving core. But if Keenan Allen has similar stats to Sammy Watkins was having there with Tyrod, 13 games, 1,047 yards, 9 touchdowns for Watkins. You know, in a 16-game season, he's probably looking at 1,150 or 1,200 yards and, you know, 11 or 12 touchdowns. That's amazing. That's a great year. And Keenan Allen will finish inside the top 10 again if he has a year like that so it's all checking out it's looking good it's looking like Keenan Allen's gonna have a similar year to his previous years maybe you know 10 15 less receptions and and I might might see about 100 less yards and maybe uh, around the same amount of touchdowns but let's let's just do a double check because Keenan Allen has a long injury history and you know I got to get my guy the the fantasy doctor in here to break it down for me so let's just double check and make sure that Keenan Allen is clear and good to go and is going to play a full season before we make a, a, a final draft or pass analysis. Injury check with the Fantasy Doctor. All right, Mike on the Mike Nation. This is Dr. Nathan Natwa, Fantasy Docs on Instagram, and I'm coming to you with your Keenan Allen injury breakdown. You guys voted for him. To be honest, I'm not concerned at all about him. So he had that one ACL injury back in 2016. He ended up missing the rest of the season then. He also had an ankle injury in 2019 in the preseason, missed all the preseason games, but then got back for the regular season and didn't have any kind of issues. He had a hamstring strain in October of last season, but uh, he ended up playing the next game. So there's no issues there. And to be honest, he, he's had a couple of soft tissue injuries way back in the day, like 2014. 2015 but over the past three seasons he hasn't missed any games and he's actually been putting up very solid numbers he's broken a thousand yards in each of the past three seasons he hasn't been too great in the touchdown area but I wouldn't attribute that to any kind of injury nature he broke 100 receptions two out of the past three seasons as well too I'm not concerned at all about that ACL injury considering that following it, he didn't show any ill effects from it. And also, he's pretty young. He's 28 years old, and he's looking like he's not slowing down anytime soon. So I would be perfectly fine with drafting him with con confidence. 
at his ADP. Let's check out where his ADP even is. So he's right now going in the fifth round, uh, around the beginning of it. And yeah, that's a great place to pick up a wide receiver who basically is giving you a wide receiver two floor with wide receiver one upside. All right, that's all I have for you this week. Hopefully you guys uh, like these injury breakdowns and you vote for whoever you want to get covered next week. Fantasy Docs out. There you go. Thank you, Dr. Notwell. He kind of just confirms what I was thinking. Keenan Allen has been healthy for three straight years, and we've been very blessed as Chargers fans and as football fans to get to see Keenan Allen's career evolve and, be, and become what it's become. So it's just very fortunate that Keenan Allen's injuries didn't uh, end his career early on in his career. He easily could have called it quits after the first, second, third, fourth, fifth uh, injury that he received. But nope, since then he's had three great seasons, three top 10 wide receiver seasons, and I expect that to continue. I think losing Phillip Rivers and, and replacing with Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert uh, affects him negatively a little bit. But overall, if you're in a situation where you're drafting early on in the round, think about it. He, you know, if you draft a running back first, run, running back second, wide receiver third, running back fourth. You got three running backs, one wide receiver, uh, especially if you get a solid wide receiver one. You know, you're, you're already set at running back at that point. Keenan Allen as a wide receiver two is an amazing pick in the fifth round. And anywhere from rounds five to eight, there's a lot of very good wide receiver two options. So that's what kind of my strategy is going into this year is to get some running backs early, draft my wide receivers late because there's so many good options going towards the fifth to eighth rounds, in my opinion. So overall, draft analysis, ADP, uh, round five, pick two. I'm going to put a draft stamp on Keenan Allen, my boy, the Slayer. Yeah, so that's going to end the fantasy football breakdown for Keenan Allen. Drop a comment uh, in my Instagram page or message me if you are going to draft or pass on Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen. On to the next and final topic. Let's talk some basketball. The NBA has been a ton of fun to watch in its return, and it's kind of just reminded me how much I love sports and how much this world needs sports, especially in the times that we're in today. So I'm just going to go over some NBA playoffs round one uh, storylines to keep a lookout for, things that are kind of developing, and, and the picture is kind of fully forming so we can see what this bubble NBA playoffs is going to look like. Uh, starting with Suns versus Trailblazers versus Grizzlies, triple threat match kind of thing for the play-in. Um, so to have a shot at the play-in, the nine seed needs to be within four games. Right now, both the Phoenix Suns and the Trailblazers are within four games of the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm assuming that only one of those two teams is going to be able to be in the play-in with the Grizzlies for the eighth seed. And the Grizzlies might still fall out. They're only ahead by a game over the Phoenix Suns and half a game over the Trailblazers as we speak right now with two games left. So maybe we could see a Phoenix Suns versus uh, Portland Trailblazers, which would be a ton of fun just because that those teams are both very hot, red hot right now, and are, bo and are both going off. So it would be great to see either one of them in the playoffs in the first round. They'll be going against the Lakers uh, who are locked in at the one seed. To have a shot, the Suns 
needed to just about go undefeated. And what have they done? They're 6-0 and as of right now in the bubble and are one game out of the play-in. So that's great to see. The Trailblazers need to have a good uh, bubble game too, but they were kind of set up already to be there. They didn't have to make this crazy comeback that the Suns have made. <laughs> Can we please have a triple threat match? Is that a thing? Can we have three basketball hoops and just let them all go at it? But uh, if, if we're going to see Suns versus Grizzlies, Trailblazers versus Grizzlies, Trailblazers versus Suns, any of those is going to be a fun play-in, and it's going to make some great matchup possibilities. The second storyline to keep an eye on while you're watching the NBA round one playoffs uh, take place is the Lakers. Are the Lakers going to be able to pull this off? Because, you know, the Lakers are currently waiting on a plane, so we don't know who they're going to play in round one. But let's just say it's going to be the Trailblazers. That's who it's looking like it's going to be right now based off of the Grizzlies. You know, they lost one of their biggest uh, stars in the team, Jaron Jackson. And the Suns are still uh, a half game behind the Trailblazers. They can definitely get in there. But I feel like the Trailblazers are eventually going to get in, whether they beat the Suns or the Grizzlies in the play. And so let's let's say we're facing the the Trailblazers. The guards they have obviously steps out right away, and I do not want to play the Trailblazers first round just because of that. Uh, we lost Rondo, we lost Avery Bradley, both guys that would normally guard uh, the two guards on the other team. So right now we're kind of struggling at at stopping the three point ball. We're struggling at shooting the three point ball, and we're struggling at stopping the three point ball which is not a formula for winning the NBA Finals. The Lakers are struggling right now. For my sake, I really hope that they can pick it up come playoff time. If we see Memphis or Phoenix, I'm very confident the Lakers can get a sweep or, or a 4-1 series win. Um, if we see the Trailblazers, we may be facing the greatest eighth seed to ever play in the NBA uh, playoffs. This is a team that last year uh, eliminated some of the favorites in the West. So we'll see what happens. It's a huge test if they see the Trailblazers for the Lakers and LeBron James and, and how good the Lakers actually are going into these playoffs, especially after the break and after after all the time in the bubble we've had and the bubble games. So we'll see what happens. Lakers are struggling right now from, from you know, hitting three points, and they're struggling to stop the three-pointer. So if they can't fix that, I don't see even LeBron James be able to get this team uh, through the West and into the finals. Another storyline to keep an eye on, another uh, couple of good teams that are kind of struggling are the Los Angeles Clippers and the Milwaukee Bucks, two finals favorites, probably the second favorite in the West and the number one favorite in the East. You know, and they've struggled, but I, I, I bear to ask the question, do they simply just not care? I mean, most of the star players have played normal minutes, and that's what a lot of the experts have been bringing up. But if you just actually watch them play, uh, the only game I saw the Clippers look like they were full go, fully trying, was against the Lakers and against the Trailblazers, and there was heat behind both of those games. Uh, I'm just speculating, but both teams know they aren't really moving too much up or down in the standings. They don't know that they know that moving up or down in the standings doesn't really affect them too much. Uh, they're not playing for home court. That does that's not a thing right now because they're all in Florida together. Resting up and, and staying healthy might be more important than a few bubble restart wins for either one of these teams. So I'll, I'll wait to see what happens in the first round when you know you see the Clippers have to line up against Luka Doncic and the Bucks possibly are lining up against the Orlando Magic. So we'll see we'll see what happens in, in round one. I think the Bucks can easily cruise by the Magic. The Clippers and the, might have a little bit more problems with the Mavericks if they're actually struggling. But I really think the Clippers still are going to be able to pull out that series against the Mavericks in the long run. Even though I had the Mavericks as my dark horse, I just... I'm noticing that they're ha they're struggling to close games. They're struggling to close games, and despite how crazy stats that Luka Doncic is putting up, at the end of the game they are struggling to close the game. You know they they, they won they won a couple days ago in overtime, I believe. But other than that, it's been a struggle towards the end of games. Another storyline that's setting up to be uh, one of the underlining storylines that that I noticed. And I don't know if anyone else has noticed. It's gonna be a real, a real fun series 
Right now, potential for the Rockets and Thunder to meet up in the first round. A little bit of story behind that. In case you forgot, it, it might it might feel like it was 10 years ago. The Rockets traded Chris Paul and some pick-slash-pieces for superstar guard uh, uh, Russell Westbrook, basically giving up on Chris Paul at age 35. And it, re- it reunited Westbrook with Harden in Houston, and the Rockets right there said, we probably have a championship team. But what did the Rockets end up doing in this season? One more win than the Thunder, and another mid-seeded season, another uh, three, four, or five seeded season for the Rockets. They were not the top team in the West like they thought they would be by getting Russell Westbrook. And Chris Paul probably didn't even know 90% of his teammates that he just got traded to, and, and he's willed that team into the playoffs. Man, Chris Paul has been so impressive this year, and he's locked in his Hall of Fame bid despite struggling to win championships. How awesome would it be if uh, Chris Paul and his team of you know not as big of names as the Rockets have just knocked out the, the Rockets? How awesome would that be? to see it for Chris Paul to knock out his old team who kind of just gave up on him. It seems like a little bit too early. Uh, what do y'all think will happen between the, the Rockets and Thunder if they see each other in round one of the NBA bubble playoffs? So we'll see how that goes. You're going to be able to hear all the trash talk and stuff, and I think Chris Paul is going to have a lot of fun playing against his old team. The final storyline I'm going to talk about, and this is something that's kind of uh, evolved into the restart game so far, the Cinderella story, Brooklyn Nets. As you guys may remember, uh, former host and co-host of this show, Renee, one of my better friends, big Nets fan. Uh, he, he's probably really ecstatic to see how well the Nets are playing, even without all their star players. No DeAndre Jordan, no Spencer Dinwiddie, no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, and they are out here upsetting all of these top teams. And what does that mean for the Nets? Are the Nets going to be competitors in the East? The East is kind of weak. They're going to see the Raptors most likely first, which is a real tough matchup for them. But if the Nets keep pulling off these upsets, can they get through the first round? It wouldn't be the craziest thing that's ever happened if they pulled off an upset win against the Raptors getting to round two. Now, if they pull off an upset win versus the Raptors and the Bucks in round one and two, then I'll lose my mind. But we'll see what happens. Uh, can can the Nets shock the Raptors in round one inside of the Disneyland bubble? We'll see. We will see. What do you guys think? So, yeah, that's it. That's basically all the storylines. That are going down in round one of the NBA playoffs. I'll probably do a round two preview as well once we get there in a couple weeks. But I'm so excited for the NBA playoffs to get started. I'm excited for my Lakers to win the NBA finals. Just kidding. I'm not going to close it off by that. But yeah, definitely uh, let me know what you guys think about all the different storylines going on in the NBA right now. I'm so happy the NBA is back. I'm so happy that sports is continuing. And I'm happy everyone in the NBA is staying healthy and staying positive. So we'll see how it goes as we further on through the season. Are your ears satisfied? (laughs) I'm just playing. But that concludes episode two of the Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast. I am Mike, and I am on the mic of the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today. I just want to thank you for listening, and if you can, just take one moment and uh, leave a review of the show, and also follow us on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate everyone's support of the show. As always, just want to uh, put out there, go ahead and go follow us on Instagram, at Mike on the Mike Pod. Again, at Mike on the Mike Pod. Have a great week, everyone. I hope everyone has a great day and a great week. And I'm just going to close the show with an inspirational sports quote, as I am going to do every week from last week on forward and the quote is if you can believe it 
the mind can achieve it. That is a quote from Ronnie Lott, former San Francisco 49ers running back. Thanks for tuning in. Let that beat roll.